Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It wouldn't be a Monday morning combat if it wasn't the 30th anniversary of the Fan Man. Hey, everybody, let's party. It's time for Morning Combat, your Monday edition, here on this 6th of November, 2023. My name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of the status needles right here in Washington, D.C., joined by my friend. By the way, everyone, I am proud to announce the Brian Campbell pre-show was back in full effect. BC's back, everybody. That's Brian Campbell. Let me lower my yeah. chair a little bit. Look, I was doing a little bit of research on my life, and I wanted to provide you with my own personal Delta power rankings. Would you be okay with that? Oh, I'd be curious. Yes, please. All right. At number four is the airline. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's number five. Number four is the 80s movie Delta Force. That was a, the Chuck, the Chuck a, Norris joint. Yes, ex okay. indeed, indeed, that franchise. Uh, number three would be Delta 8s. Okay. Number two, Delta 9, which your new pound-for-pound pound gas station old guy thrilling machine number one overall, dude. Uh, Delta 10s is, is, is the new way to live, apparently, Luke. You know what I mean? Okay, all right. I didn't know you were getting busy like that. Yeah, um, not in not in my tummy now because I'm professional, but you know, maybe maybe right, another right, right. time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Next time I see you, hopefully. Uh we'll talk about it. All right, we got a lot to get to here. Appreciate those Delta Power rankings. Uh, as you guys know, we're we're off the weekend with the UFC's return to Sao Paulo, Brazil. We'll talk about some of that. There is some news about some big pay-per-views. We'll get to that, plus your questions. And, of course, BC's feces, a.k.a. Have You Seen This Shit? Thumbs up on the video if you have not already. Please do so. And, of course, there's all of our socials. You can give us a follow there. BC, we had uh, one of the videos that we did from our Francis reaction is at 1.2 million views on Instagram. And I think it's doing Damn. pretty well on TikTok, too. So... Just Damn. everyone who follows us there, yeah. All right, I'm into that. I'm into that big time. Also, Luke, is there any coincidence that Gilton Almeida <laughs> would soil himself so deeply into a lay and pray strategy the same weekend that you stepped foot inside a church? <laughs> First of all, I had a suit on, and I minded my manners. Uh, it was a very nice service. My nephew got um, he got baptized. What kind and, of church? Uh, so it was this Catholic Catholic church probably, right? No, no, no. It was Episcopalian. It was Episcopalian. Okay. Yeah. It was at, uh, I'll just give him a shout out. It was at St. George's Episcopalian Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. We went there and all right. a, a lovely people. Everyone Tip was very deacons, friendly. right? Yeah. All right. Let's shout yeah, out yeah. to that. Yeah. It was great. No, it was great. And then we had a luncheon at my brother's place afterwards. It was very, very nice. I actually, had, And the weather was, I don't know how it was in Connecticut, but it was spectacular in Virginia. So we had, it was, dude, it was a great weekend. It was just, I didn't get any great free weekend. time because I was constantly doing stuff, but you know. So, uh, Luke, my, um, I, I have this thing that I keep riding, you know, with my riding mower, I, I, I tear up the leaves like a, like a, like a true lazy American, Luke, I, I mow up all my leaves, but yeah. I keep driving over rocks and things and then it breaks the machine. And then I got to have this big intervention with half the neighborhood to try to help me. Cause I don't have any man skills. So I ended up without help. I had to push the mower from the back corner of my yard up and down these mini hills I have all the way to the front to my garage, and I definitely pulled out my back. So this is a great uh, great time to be 45 and wash, Luke. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, Although your situation is still better than the guy who I saw when I was leaving on Saturday to go down to Virginia. He was cutting. You know it's not your yard, but then there's like the gravel walkway, and then there's that other little strip of grass you just kind of have to cut. Yeah, who owns that? 
Who I don't know if the, the city owns that or not. I've never really known. But either way, my man was trimming it. And he had the mower, but it's not really a mower. It's just the rotating blades, Fred Flintstone style. Yeah. That you got to roll back and forth. My man was yeah. struggling. My dad struggling. had one of those. Yeah. Our first house is, as kids, Luke, we had a square of grass in the backyard. So we had the non-electric mower. That was great. Now, project. I have a breaking news <laughs> update for you, BC, uh, related to OK Bet. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> Yeah, how do we do this week? What happened? Do you have the uh, I got well remember one of mine fell out, so I went two and two. I believe you went two and three, if memory serves. Uh, so I still have I'm behind you on all these counts because all my fucking fights keep falling through. But that's not that's not why I brought this up. There is a metal podcast called Vulgar Display of Podcast, off the name Vulgar Display of Power. And uh Dying Fetus, John Gallagher uh of Dying Fetus was a guest on there, and the folks from Vulgar Display of Podcast asked him about this show and what? the wager uh, yes and the wager that you and i have so here's what i'm going to do they sent me the video and they sent me the audio of them asking i have no idea what they ask and i have no idea what they say i'm going to forward it to gaff and luke nosita maybe later in the show if they clear it we can at least hear the audio of it is that how's that sound okay well this is interesting luke because tomorrow I will be a guest on the Comes a Time podcast with O'Teal Burbridge and comedian Mike Fenoya, where we will definitely be talking about the jam band show that we have planned for you and uh, <laughs> uh, after this OK bed is finished at the conclusion of this calendar year. So this is going to be wow. Times are getting times are getting kind of hard on the boulevard. I'm ready, Luke. Let's I will do just it. say Cannibal Corpse guys already invited me backstage. If the dying fetus guys ever invite me backstage, I might have my Britney moment. You know what I'm saying? I might just be able to die a happy man i don't know if well, that's possible luke, but well luke although this isn't necessarily jam bandy a little bit more psychedelic rock uh portugal the man i'm going to in february in new haven luke you know if you lose you might be there too luke you know what i mean you never know you never I'm, know i'm gonna be on delta 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 and 1 for that show all right let me forward this to uh mr nosita and then Mr. Gaff, and then we are going to be on our way. Okay, that is officially sent. That, they just sent that to me now. So I'm curious oh, to Luke, see. Yeah. I'm really in line with this. I'm really excited about this. I caught a follow on Instagram from the Ryan Adams. Maybe, how'd Luke, you, maybe. How'd you do that? I don't know. Maybe it's because we've we've had the, the Heartbreaker uh, vinyl album cover on the shelf of the studio this whole Possible. time. Maybe. Possible. Maybe. Maybe. Another man who loves New York, by the way, Ryan Adams. Yeah, you're, he still loves New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're damn right about that. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's remind everyone as well, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat is, of course, all the places you can get all the extra stuff we're doing. And I should note, as soon as this show is over, your boy is headed out to one of the local gyms here. I'm going to interview Corey Sandhagen and Ryan oh. Hall today, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I don't know if that'll be up this week because we have to get that edited, but it'll be up either this week or next for sure. Look, and you're doing you see, big work lately in the interview space. Big work, big hey man, work. Trying, bro. Like I, you know, at times I let my foot off the gas, but when the foot's on it, I can do some fun stuff. Also, should remind everyone: Hey, everybody, it's UFC 295 Fight Week. It's not John Jones Fight Week, but it's still a UFC pay per view fight week. A lot of reasons to be excited. Not going to mention Showtime. What on earth would be the point? Well, we can no mention pre morning preview. Combat. No pregame preview for this weekend, Luke. What do you think? Um, we don't have we one. We never did it virtually before. <laughs> what if we did it We'd... shirtless virtually? That would kind of mix it up a little. Who bit, is right? the audience for that? I mean, be serious. <laughs> Divorced women around the country, obviously. <laughs> yes, yes. Women whose uh, breath smells like menthols and their house smells like cat piss. I'm good on yes. that, friend. I'm yes. good. Um, let's remind everyone: morningcombat.store to get BC's shirt, BC's hat. 
Tons of fun stuff there for well, you. How about this? Store. How live about 10. this? We got a live 10 code for you right now. During this show only, you go to morningcombat.store. You order anything. 10% off right now. I know you've been coveting the average Joe Art crossover collaboration. Now's your time to get it. little sprinkle of price off the top. Bam. Let's do it. All right. There you uh, go. BC also want to say shouts to the Commandant of the Marine Corps who had a heart attack apparently last week, is in stable condition, and is recovering. I bring that up to say, one, he's the Commandant, which is the top general in charge of the entire Marine Corps. But more than that, BC, Friday, Friday, 10 November, of course, dating back to 1775, is the birthday of the Marine Corps. It's always one day before Veterans Day. We'll have a fun so day on the, Friday as well. What should I yell in reaction to that to celebrate? Like, hoo or or uh, run a train? Like, what, what should be my cry out? <laughs> you know? I don't know if the Marine Corps would like us to say run a train. I don't know if they would be happy about that. Uh, but what I can yeah. say, you can say, you can say, hoorah, you can say, yut, you can say, semper fi, something like that. All right. You know? I wish I could say the same Pat Tillman joke that caused us to, to meet Showtime Legal up on that time. But, you know, all right. Yeah, yeah. No. Nah. Do, do, does Showtime Legal still exist? Maybe now is the time to get those jokes in. I don't even know anymore, you know? <laughs> all right. With that in mind, we have a bit of a show to get to. So if we can, uh, let's get this process started, shall we? All right, BC, we go to topic number one here to kick things off on this Monday show. Let's talk about the main event from UFC Sao Paulo. Not the best one I've ever seen. Not the worst one, but definitely not all that great. So here's what happened. Jalton Almeida gets the unanimous decision win, including a couple of 10-8s and on different judges' scorecards along the way. But BC, here is the major question. Sure, Almeida beat Lewis, beat him one-sided, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But did he really win any audition as a number one contender in your mind? No, Luke. Two roads diverged in the in the woods, right? Bobby Frost and um, this guy took not the road less traveled, Luke. He's going to take the long road. Look, there's a short road and long road to the top, and if you have ability, you're going to end up there. And what I mean by that is not not you know trash talking is not going to be for everybody, which can be a shortcut to get to the top fighting in the most entertaining style possible turns out isn't always for everybody based on your skill set would i have loved would his name have needed for jalton almeida to come out here and not just de almost desperately lean on his strengths which he did in largely controlling but really not dominating Derek lewis despite 50 44 scorecards really just controlling no, Luke, this was not a great performance. But to be fair, I gave a similarly cold reaction to the way that Jan Blahovich played it safe against Jacare. Do you remember that five-round main event, which was supposed to be essentially Blahovich's audition to find out, is he really a late 30s journeyman or is he a legit title contender? Well, Luke, I had that same feeling coming out of there that you had your chance to shine, to show the world and you played it safe. In Blahovich's case, it still led him to a title opportunity, and he still cashed in on that, defending against Adesanya, made some big moments. For Almeida, the future is unknown in that regard. Is he a real is he is he the real thing? Is he a sure thing as a potential title contender? I, I think it's still open for debate, Luke, because he leaned on his strengths, he barely got touched, he won this fight. But did he make it easy for himself to catapult to the top? No. This fight sucked. It was boring. It was awful. He had full mount for nearly half of it and did nothing with it. And I understand, Luke, that it seemed to be his strategy. Win at all costs at home. But I didn't love when he comes out on the microphone afterwards and is like, 
almost bragging about the sensational performance he delivered. You didn't. You dominated the fight, but you definitely made a choice that is going to put you on the outside looking in in terms of your title contention. He may get there, but he's going to have to go through extra steps to get there. And I think that was disappointed. I, I'm not saying, hey, look, you got to stand at the end of Derek Lewis's jab and right hand and find out how tough you are. I'm saying we needed to see the evolution of his striking game. We needed to see him take chances when he was in points of advantageous control. He didn't do that, Luke. So did he look good and dominate? Yes. Is it going to help him advance in the rankings? As far as I'm concerned, no. Hmm. I thought the same thing for Blahovich, but he still made it happen. But this was worse than that blahovich jacare fight. This fight blew, and I think you know that deep inside, Luke. Yeah, I don't really disagree. The fight sucked. I mean, if you've got a guy and you're in mount for minutes at a time, mount for minutes in different rounds, by the way, easily achieving mount, and you have difficulty setting up some kind of a finish in mixed martial arts, I'm not, you're just not ready for a title fight, period. You're just yeah. not ready for a title fight. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, here's the reality, right? Jelton Almeida's wrestling from the outside, not great, but it was certainly serviceable in this fight. If all the things to critique, I would not necessarily put this as, like, number one on the list. And obviously, when he gets down to the ground, passing to mount, passing to, he, at times he was sitting on top of the legs, at times working from turtle, at times working from the back. Um, <clears throat> I thought all of that was really great, like achieving those positions, holding those positions, and at times, Lewis trying to get up and whatever. And he was, for the most part, able to re-scramble and get, get the fight back to some kind of position, whether it was a, whether it was a, um, you know, from a, from the dogfight position, reshooting from the dogfight position, he was doing half guard sweeps. I mean, there, there was a lot to like in that sense, what we, what we would call mat wrestling or mat jujitsu. But BC, you're talking about his striking evolution. Let's back up a step from that. Where the that hell was the ground and pound? De-evolution, dude. dude. Come on. Where was, you know? where was the ground and pound? It's like you're beating all these guys with like a little bit of ground and pound. Very good uh, positional control. I will say that. Very good positional control. But you're waiting on these guys. Um, You're waiting on these guys to like give you something. And Derek Lewis actually had a pretty interesting strategy. And I want to say something. As a heavyweight. Now, now obviously, I'm not. Um, I'm not. You know, uh, currently I haven't rolled in like seven years and, you know, I'm a 44 year old man, but my number one training partner back when I rolled was well over 300 pounds. He was a really big guy. And I can tell you, it can be hard to do anything to them if they've got a real, I'm not going to do much attitude. It's hard to get them to roll. It's hard to get them to, uh, it's hard to get underneath their throat for a choke, even for some kind of Matt Hughes, palm to palm kind of choke. It's very, very difficult. And you saw that Alton Almeida would get the, the neck and he just really couldn't do anything with it. Okay, fair enough. But that's sport jujitsu where you can't open them up with punches. Man, you got to be kidding me. You're going back and forth between mount, knee on belly, the back, turtle, and you can't find ways to open this guy up. It wasn't until the fourth or fifth round, BC, that he was throwing knees to the body to a grounded opponent. Dude, that should have been there in round two, if not round one. He achieved mount in round one. I looked at the clock. At like 405 or 406 took him less than a minute to get mount less than a minute bc in sport jiu-jitsu you even heard michael bisping talking about it something he encountered called corpse guard where guys intentionally just don't do anything because if it's hard if someone's if someone's not trying to open up and they're trying to keep their elbows to their body and their hands inside and they're not letting you do anything it can be very hard in sport jiu-jitsu but you don't have any of those excuses in mma you can just blast them, no problem, and things begin to open up. And I want to say one more thing too, BC. 
I know that the the natural instinct in jujitsu, including MMA jujitsu, is to get get a control position and keep them there to get that going. But if you go back and look in this fight, where were the very best punches, or I should say strikes anyway, that Almeida was able to land? It was when you had a moving Derek Lewis. When Derek Lewis is on the ground and he's kind of covering up, he's a little hard to hit, right? But when he's transitioning and turtling over and then trying to get to his hands, dude, he was wide open. And those are the times you see Almeida really begin to stick it to him. That's where he needed to do it. He had to accept different scenarios to get Lewis to the finish line. I'm impressed by his ground positioning. I am. But I got to be honest, BC, not much else. No, it, it sucks. And you used a term I hadn't heard before, Luke. Corpse guard? That's yeah. normally when a lead singer of a metal band stands in front of the claw <laughs> machine and won't let the little kids get a chance, right? But no, it, no. Look, it's like, you know, I said what I said about it'll be held against you. This is not a marketable way to fight. You're not even really, although he leaned on his strengths to, to secure and hold the position, He's not even playing into that strength by raining down strikes. I mean, I understand being afraid that Lewis could push him off with that extreme strength. But, like, there's, I don't know. I, I don't think Almeida understands it because of how happy and celebratory he was afterwards, Luke. And I'm not trying to downplay the fear of Lewis's power or the fact that Lewis was openly trying to time him with uppercuts as Almeida would shoot, which is why Almeida was essentially diving to the ground to just sort of grab the ankle uh, on one leg and work up that way. But uh, the heavyweight division is arguably wide open right now with John Jones's injury and the delay of the Stipe fight. You, yes, you've got a, uh, a no, sort of a interim title fight next week or this weekend, which kind of in a way is almost like a number one contender fight because we do expect John Jones to come back. And he's been saying as much in all of his recent videos, but if there was ever a time to make that decision between playing it safe and trying to, shake things up and flip things upside down. If he had come out and, and forget the striking Luke, what if he had come out and focused exclusively on securing a submission and was constantly dangerous in his attempts to do so? Imagine if he does what he did here, but he also finishes and submits Derek Lewis in round four. Let's say we would not be talking about this bad taste in our mouths because at least he used the proceedings to set up his greatest strength, which is on the ground and went after it. In that case, no, he's not going to be, he's not going to cut the line of Aspinall versus Pavlovich, but he, for all we know, based on John Jones's recovery, he could be the number one contender and could get a shot at the title, the interim title before John Jones even comes back and is healthy. So, all in all, I would say this was very must, must, must uh, excuse me, very much so a potential wasted opportunity for Almeida. Um, Luke, am I crazy? Will UFC hold this against him? Will someone intervene and be like, look? We do expect more of, out of you at this level. That's a great question. I mean, partly you wonder how much they're with, with Jones and Stipe out. Stipe's been out for a long time. Obviously, Jones has in a sense as well. But you just wonder, could they need him just to keep the division moving? You know, like let's imagine that this fight on Saturday between um, Aspinall and Pavlovich is one-sided in either direction, so there's no need for a rematch or something. You know, the question is really who is the next man up? I'll, I'll just say this. if that I, I'm so sad that Curtis Blades lost this opportunity. Because yes. I got to tell you, man, if that was a Curtis Blades fight, I don't know. I think you get a very different result. To me, BC, Jalton Almeida is clearly athletic. And again, I'm going to say it one more time. He has very, very good positional jiu-jitsu. He very much does. But to me, he is like, he's a creature of heavyweight. 
Like, you can't really have the skills that he has. Where I mean, you can say what you want about Habib's ground game. Habib had vicious ground and pound. Vicious. And he used both to go back and forth between pounding guys out and then submissions and then back and forth. Right? He was really very nimble at that. He never really went one way or the other. Islam has a patient ground game, but he can do the exact same thing. He is only a guy that you can have at heavyweight and get as far as he has, where he has not much of a stand-up game, not much of an outside wrestling game, very good positional control, and very mediocre ground and pound. Who? What other division can you get main events and potential title opportunities off a skill set like that? It just doesn't exist. Right. Even at light heavyweight, you can't get that. My thing is this, Luke. I'm like this in basketball too, or football, whatever. There are there are different ways to skin a cat. There are different ways to try to win fights. And if the and if based on your skill set, you believe essentially the the best and maybe only way you can win at a certain level is by leaning desperately, exclusively into one trait that could bring down the entertainment value of the event. Think of a basketball team that holds the ball for the entirety of the shot clock and then shoots it. Or if they're, you know, there are different ways to do it. And I've always loved the belief that I, I like that. I like that there's variety. I like that you can try something that's looked at as a negative style. But again, you're not going to be rewarded for it. And look at John Fitch. You're almost going to be reluctantly awarded for it if you keep climbing the ladder and lingering. Yes, he got to the title level, but it was always like a scarlet letter stain against him. This is bad of the timing of the situation, in my opinion, because it could have been an Almeida breakthrough moment at a time when there's openings for that. But to answer the question I just asked you of whether the UFC would step in, penalize him, I think here's the definition uh, to answer that. How long is Curtis Blades out? Because if he's not out for long, and I'm still not sure if I even heard what was the injury that caused him to pull out, shouldn't Almeida's real reward, given that there's an interim title fight next weekend, the real heavyweight title expected to be, you know, next spring, summer, whatever. Would the real penalty for this be the UFC announcing, great job on the win, you got Curtis Blades next? Is that the real penalty here, Luke? It probably should be, right? Yeah, it should be. It should be. I was just thinking about this, too. Like, maybe Almeida can beat Pavlovich. I'm not saying that, but, like, you know, Pavlovich does have the one loss that came basically from Overeem's ground and pound. So you think, okay... Maybe there's a way Almeida beats him there. And, of course, you couldn't rule out a situation where he would beat Tom Aspinall, but I would pick Aspinall to win that one. The Blades one, to me, seems absolutely necessary. Blades has gone so far, and we know he's fallen short even against Derek Lewis, but, you know, the kinds of opposition that he can provide is different than what Derek Lewis can show us. And, yeah. again, credit to Derek Lewis, short notice, the whole nine yards. He tried. He, he tried to win. He tried to win the fight. I'll yeah, listen, if, I actually feel like Derek Lewis had the right game plan. You're not going to beat that guy on positional control. Why waste your time? Wait for the opportunity to strike. Strike him when he comes through. And if you, you get a chance to get to your feet, go then and do that. But, like, don't spend a lick of energy on the ground. And also, you know, I, I think it was Dominic Cruz who said it. For Lewis to survive as long as he did and not get subbed is actually like pretty remarkable. Clearly, he, there's yeah. a, there's a it looks very Homer Simpson when he's just laying there like that. But no, 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 there's a method to well, the that's madness. That's what I'm but saying. He almost doesn't lose much from this loss, even though there have been a lot of Derek Lewis losses at the highest level in recent years. But he does have this ability to just rebound with huge knockouts, and we all love him, and we all feel like to some degree, even with his advancing age, that he's maybe not always giving himself the best chance in terms of training and all of that. 
I feel like his last knockout win over Rogerio de Lima was like a wake up call of like, okay, if you're going to have one more run at it, you got to take it serious. You got to go. He talked about this training camp running a lot for the first time in a long time, like actually committing to it. I think all that work just to survive and just to keep trying to find areas where he could try to win. I think he showed you that the hunger's still there and that there's that, that in a way, yeah, this loss knocks him down a peg, but he was filling in last minute and he did show hunger. My real question is again, what does this say about Almeida? Because coming in, Luke, I thought he was the dark horse of this division. I thought he was the any given night against any given style. He could surprise. And that still could be true if he finds somebody like a Lewis who is so, you know, unable on the ground in that one great strength. But to be in advantageous position for that long and to not look to stamp and understand the situation, dude, you're only holding yourself back. It's so, it was really, beyond, oh, you've effed with my entertainment on a Saturday night, which is normally how we sort of knee-jerk react in sort of a fan-type way. How about the journalist-type way? You had the chance to show us how good you can be, and you played it disturbingly safe. You know what I mean? Look, if you can look, I learned this during the Mayweather era where, you know, a lot of and I understand a lot of non-boxing fans, casual fans that would come in once a year, put their 60, 75, 100, whatever the price was down for the pay-per-view and say, OK, who's Mayweather fighting this year that I need to care about? And I understand, given his style, think the post reaction to the Manny Pacquiao fight where we all were expecting this greatest thing of all time. And instead, it was a clinical, defensive, technical win. But I was the person writing the lead column the next morning on the front page of ESPN.com saying, you know, I understand that you, you may have missed that if you're not a boxing fan thinking and hoping this was going to be some Hagler Hearns brawl, but we still need to celebrate the craft, the ability. And I mean that, dude, what Mayweather did during some very boring fights to the casuals was a certain level of ownership and technique and all this that you had to respect. And also he was still late in these fights when his opponents were tiring trying to walk them down and finish them and hurt them. Even that wasn't there in Almeida. There was just a contentment to control. Dude. So, Jose, but that, is it contentment? I mean, here's the thing. Like Mayweather, you're right. Some, sometimes Mayweather would press the brakes in a way where, you know, uh, it wasn't full action packed, but he was kind of the one dictating the terms and guys just couldn't figure out a way around it. That's especially true Canelo and when he fought, you know, Berto and, and everyone else along those lines. But, dude, Mayweather was a, was a five, six-weight world champion. You know what yeah. I mean? He was the A-side here. It's like, dude, if you're Jelton Almeida, after Saturday, do you really look in the mirror and go, I have the skill set right now to win a world title? Like, definitely you don't. Like, definitely right. you don't. Like, that, absolutely not the case. Mayweather had skill that he dialed back from using as a way of risk management. I think there was some of that for sure with Almeida, especially when he was in really advantageous terms on the ground. But the bigger lesson for me is, like, dude, you don't have the skills. Not right now. He could. He's obviously got a lot of ability, but like at like in terms of this being a showcase, which was the original question, right? Was this a showcase for a number one contender? Dude, you don't have the there's there's no ground and pound skills to make me believe you've got enough to beat like the very best guys in this division. You can't actually look at that and be like, okay, I've got this wrapped up. If you're Tom Aspinall, I can see how you might think you have it wrapped up. Cyril Gaon, I can see how you might think you have it wrapped up. Pavlovich, I can see how you might think you have it wrapped up. Even Curtis Blades. I can see how you think you might have a chance. Jalton Almeida cannot possibly look in the mirror and say, not that he's not good, not that he's not talented, but that he's got enough skills to win a UFC world title. No, he does not. 
No, he does not. That is not. That would be a very disingenuous oh. way of looking at it. That's crazy. Think about it. He came in as like my division dark horse, and in a fight that he won fifty to forty four, he is now exiting with you going. And I'm not doubting you. I'm saying you're responding to what you saw. You going. You know what? You might not actually have the skills to go all the way. There is. Do you think there's almost like a Yoel Romero comparison in some ways, whereas it's destructively violent as Romero could be in the right moment, he could be just as equally frustrating in other fights when you're like, that strategy that you're putting out there, it, you know, it's needle in a haystack that you're going to beat somebody sometimes with that strategy. Like, like I don't know, maybe the difference is that Romero's gamesmanship is always about setting you up for a big strike, where Almeida's was... Let me hold you down for five more minutes, and then we'll see where you're at next <laughs> round. And God, I hate that. I do. Again, I hate that. I'm I mean, just going to say this. If, he, if you had his skill set at 155, he'd be just another guy. Now, the reason why he is special is because a lot of heavyweights just physically can't even do what Almeida does. It's not to say there's nothing special or unique or interesting about him. Of course, there is. I'm simply trying to point out, like, the. I mean, you keep talking. I mean, not, not keep, but you had mentioned earlier striking it out on the feet. We saw a little bit of that, not really much. I can forgive all of that. I mean, how good was Habib's stand-up? In the end, it was a little bit better than we thought it was, but, you know, that, that, what Habib's stand-up is not what won him world titles, right? That's not what happened. Yeah. What won him that shit was when it got to the ground, it was fucking curtains for you. Guys, he doesn't have anything like that. He's got very good positional control. He's got good submissions, but good submissions in MMA need to be set up often and routinely with vicious ground and pound. And you're going against tough guys, veteran guys like Derek Lewis, man. And you couldn't open him up over 25 minutes. You got to give me a break, man. You're just absolutely not ready for the title, uh, even in a, in a relatively weak division, a division like uh, uh, this uh, one for, for a title. Look, not he possible. doesn't speak great English, so it was hard to get a full feel of where he was at. And I mentioned he sort of celebrated the, the, the dominant performance as if it was like art. Obviously, elements, like you said, the gas tank, the ability to hold that big man down for 25 minutes, it says something about him, but but doesn't tell us everything that we wanted there. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, Luke, I forgot which direction I was going. It was a great question, though. The setup was there, the emotion, the timing, the delivery, but, you know, I guess I'll, he, I'll just... I think we both agree. He's got a couple things that catch your eye, and he does have, in certain ways, a lead on the rest of that division. Yeah. I do, yeah. I do think once he gets it to the mat... He's got things that a lot of that division doesn't have. The problem is the things he also doesn't have are going to keep him from his ultimate achievement unless he gets better at them. All right, here's what I was going to say. And I listened to the interview, but again, it's translation. He's trying to play to the crowd. If his excuse directly back to you, if he saw this, was, hey, look, you're tasking me on almost zero notice. And it wasn't zero, right? It was a couple weeks. But let's say you're tasking me on very short notice to face the most dangerous knockout threat in the history of this promotion. I purposely did it this way to show you how dominant I can be and show you how non-scary that guy can be if you take away the, the the things that make him scary. Would that be a justifiable reaction or is it still the same equation? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I kind of have a mixed... You, you seem like you have a stronger reaction than I do about this yeah he let me down he let me down big time yeah because i i, I, gotta I don't yeah. feel as let down by you i feel more concerned i feel more concerned now the yeah. other good news is what is he 32 so at heavyweight he's a pup still 
Like the, the good news is this is not, we're not, I hope everyone understands, we're not issuing a death sentence here. We're not saying, oh, he doesn't have what it takes and that's, show's over, folks. That's not my point. My point is he was looking to like maybe round the corner first quarter of 2024 or something for a title shot. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that would be a waste of your time because it would go, I think it would go poorly in all likelihood. I think it would go quite poorly. Luke, um, how about this for Almeida-related tweet of the weekend from uh, Josh Cohen? You know, JC, the South Florida radio host. Yes, who works yes, with yes. Thomas. We love that mm-hmm. guy. Pink suit guy from the UFC conferences. With all that dry humping Derek Lewis and Almeida did, they should have had a safe word. Go get a, <laughs> a ba-da-ba-bomb on that one, right? All right. Come on. Before we get to point number two, BC, let's talk about one of our sponsors here. And, of course, if you're a longtime listener to MK... You might know that BC and I have been drinking AG1 for what? I think about about, about four years, right? BC, I mean, I have. I'm healthy right now, Luke. You are. They've nicknamed you Newark Penn Station around here, okay? Hey, listen, I, when you go through Newark Penn Station, you're going to catch a couple strays along the way, quite literally. But if we're being serious, obviously, we started drinking this stuff almost daily quite, quite some time ago. And BC, it's a very simple reason why. Because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. And BC, you should know, since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. That's why it's got that mild tropical taste you love so much. Love that taste so much. Hey, look, I've recommended it to you viewers. I've also recommended it to my family and close friends. Why? Because AG1 has a team of doctors and scientists behind it testing for 950 contaminants and NSF certified for sport it's formulated based on the latest science and maintains high quality standards it's consistent i'm on order refill i don't think about it it shows up at the front door but every single morning i'm taking one scoop of the magic green powder mixing it up with water sometimes i put it in my shakes luke in this wrestlemania cup and i know that yeah i'm going to make some mistakes today with my health and fitness but at least AG1 had my back in the beginning. It's like Cliff's Notes, Luke. Like that time sophomore year, you pretended to read A Tale of Two Cities just because you asked your brother to sum it up for you. That's what AG1 can be to your diet. I've actually read A Tale of Two Cities. That's not true. But either way, BC, I don't take a multivitamin anymore. Why would I? I don't need to swallow a bunch of pills. I don't need to do any of that. I just need to have a cold cup of water, some AG1, and I'm good to go. BC, they've got prebiotics, probiotics, all kinds of different stuff that you would need. So here's what you're going to do, folks. Here's what you're going to do. We need you to, uh, if they would stop moving everything on this uh, timeline here, and I can't see what the hell's going on. Uh, AG1, of course, is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. That's why you've been a partner. That's why we've been a partner, excuse me, for so long. If you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get five free, excuse me, what am I saying? Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash morningcombat. BC, that's drinkag1.com slash morningcombat. Check Luke, it I'm out. sorry. I was in the rundown file thinking I was in my own file, and I'm yeah, just Yeah, you were just deleting off. it while I'm literally reading it. I don't know what the hell you're doing. I set myself up for the next fill to make it sound as natural as possible. Why? Because I use this stuff, Luke. Okay, that's why. I- you absolutely do. All right. With that in mind, BC, let's get back to UFC Sao Paulo. Topic number two. All right. How about that unbelievable fight and won a performance bonus between Nicholas Dalby and Gabriel Bonfim? BC, here is my question to you. What is the right takeaway about both Dalby and Bonfim 
after Dolby's basically kind of incredible comeback win. Yeah, Gabriel, he's he's good boy, Luke. But in MMA especially, young, vibrant, dynamic, violent finishers. Look, you're, you're going to catch some comeuppance. You're going to find out a leveling off period. You're going to find the deep end of the pool one time. What can I say about both guys? Nicholas, Dolby, veteran, late 30s, experience. He came in here to win exactly the way he did, which is to raise the uh, output of this fight, raise the intensity and the rabidness, but stand the test within the fire. He got taken down. He got pieced up. But Luke, he never stopped coming in the face. Wow, that, that, wow. Let me, let's, re let's, let's just edit that out. Let's get back to the beginning. Three, two, one. He never stopped attacking in the face of Bonfim. And here's why I give him so much credit. It's not just he came in with his gas tank ready. It's not just that he came in willing to bite down. But I think the key, he stayed in front of Bonfim when he realized that after the craziness they had, the high pace, the scrambles on the ground, he realized that the younger fighter was using up a lot of that gas and there could be an opening. And you know how he filled that opening? Not with one big strike, by standing in front of Bonfim and just touching him. Uppercuts, touch, touch, touch. And I think the combination of that touching raised up almost like a mental fatigue in Bonfim because he just couldn't clear himself. He couldn't reset. He couldn't land something that would reset the stakes and bring some respect back. He was in a moment where he needed to get out of there. And to Dolby's credit, he bit down. He leaned on his experience. He leaned on his guile, and he got it done in exciting fashion. I'm not here to tear up the Bonfim script and say, you know, everything we saw up to this point was a joke. No, this sport's really, really hard, and we do need to tip our cap to the guys. Not that I'm necessarily throwing Dolby into this, but the guys like a Matt Brown, like a Jim Miller, Diego Sanchez before he fell off, where it's sort of like they had early moments, but they lingered with that tough experience. Look at Darren Elkins. He's still out here submitting guys at this level. It's really hard to evolve in this sport, to read your own headlines, to watch your own highlights of quick finishes, and maybe not think, oh, this sport's easier than it actually looks. No, it's actually way harder than it looks and way more ways to lose. Yes, Bombfim was lured into a brawl. Yes, he gassed out in the stoppage here. Even though there were some good knees to the face, again, these weren't heavy, big strikes. It was just constant strikes in succession, never allowing Bonfim to take that deep breath. This is a rare time, Luke, where I watch a young prospect that we were just talking about coming into this fight as like potentially in that group, that group of the Bo Nichols, the Hamzats, that sort of guys who are like ready right now to become champions maybe and take over the sport despite not having a long resume. I'm not ready to kick him out of that bed. I'm just going to say this might be this might be the humbling loss he needed. It happens. He got caught in that back end of the pool where it's 12 feet, and Luke he couldn't get up. He couldn't get out. He couldn't breathe again. I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be fine. But damn, considering his brother Ishmael missed weight by three and a half pounds, leading to the cancellation of his own fight, this is a really bad weekend for the for the popular Brazilian brothers who are still bright prospects in my mind. They're going to have to learn from this, both of them in their own way. But I'm not here to tell you Gabriel Bonfim is done or never was supposed to be. You got to learn these lessons the hard way, Luke. Man, I just want to say something about Nicholas Dalby, if I can. I don't remember exactly the timeline, but I remember there was a while ago where I think he had a few losses in a row and he took some time off from the sport and even publicly acknowledged he was having a really severe battle with depression. And I wasn't sure if he was going to fight again. And if he did, 
what he was going to look like. I mean, this was a guy that absolutely went through it in some of the worst ways. Although in, in many ways, BC, some of the most normal ways. I mean, depression isn't easy or great. Anyone who's been through it can tell you, but we all do go through it. So when I say normal, I mean normal in the, in the full range of the human experience. But of course, if you're doing that as an athlete where you have to have uber confidence and you're engaged in very dangerous activities, you know, any kind of normal bout with sadness, and of course, depression is much more than that, but any kind of bout with that can really derail everything that you've put together, no matter how hard you've worked. You know, not only did the guy come back from that, but this is one of the better wins of his career. And he's got some pretty good names on his career. He's got wins over Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. Um, I think he's on like a four-fight win streak at this D-Rod. point. D-Rod? He beat D-Rod. D-Rod as, as well. I mean, I got to tell you, I couldn't I, – I, I, I don't know Nicholas Dalby to say that like I'm proud of him. That would almost sound weird. But if you watch this guy's story and how it nearly got derailed and then he rescued himself to get back here and then at 38 years old went to this guy's country – and did that to him, man, I got to tell you, whatever he did to recover himself, both as a person and as a professional athlete, it worked. It worked. He had nothing but courage, athletically anyway, in this particular contest. And BC, I know you're so right about this. Listen, did my stock evaluation of Bonfim take a dramatic hit? No. A little bit of course correction, but not a dramatic hit. He was doing good things, right, BC? He yeah. was landing on the feet. He looked good on the ground. He's he's talented. But Nicholas Dalby showed that, like, here's the thing. If, if you guys have never been to a regional MMA event, here's one thing you'll see. You'll see two guys of roughly commensurate experience go at it, and one guy is going to step on the gas much harder than the other guy. And ten times, I want to say that, nine times out of ten, the other guy will just fold. You can beat a lot of novice or relatively inexperienced fighters simply with aggression. You actually can do that. I've seen it a million times. It looked to me, BC, like Bonfim, who's significant, was he 12 years the junior or something, much younger. It looked to me, BC, that yes, he is very skilled. Very, very, very skilled. He's got a lot of skills. But he is not accustomed to someone still being there when he let his skills do the talking. He got audited a little bit that way, and I think this will be very valuable to him long-term in understanding exactly the kind of thing you're up against. But I want to say it one more time. For a guy like Nicholas Dalby to have that many doubts and that many things that could derail anybody, much less a prize fighter, and then to come back and be the mentally stronger guy in another guy's hometown who is very skilled in all dimensions of the game, dude, dude. We should not look past that. That is remarkable. He was able to turn that in. And I got to say, I really hope Nicholas Dalby gets a big fight and a big name based on this performance. He yep. has more than earned it. He had suffered a, a draw and two defeats in a row back in 2016, which led to him getting cut by the UFC. Resurfaced over about a four or five stre fight stretch in Cage Warriors and came back in. And look, it's been a mixture. Like, yeah, there's one loss in there to Tim Means, a couple draws, but... Those sneaky wins we talked about and what you mentioned coming back from that depression. And, I mean, you you noticed right away the shape he was in, first of all, at 38. Great shape, yeah. In, intense shape. But it really was like an NFW type of moment for him. Like, there was no effing way he was going to let Bonfim do what he was supposed to do against him. He was going to – I mean, and, like, this is why also I like to echo what you said. I don't panic on Bonfim because he was landing – like, there were times Bonfim was getting hit and getting tired, but he still tried to reset, 
went down, came up with a couple combinations, and he would be landing stiff shots. But, you know, Dolby just made that decision. No effing way. There's no effing way you're going to get through me on this night. And it, 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 I don't know, it kind of levels off the playing field and reminds you that hype and flashy offensive skills and danger can get you so far, but you do have to have the complete game. You do have to have all the areas scratched. Let's see how Gabriel Bonfim responds from this. Luke, does his brother have to switch weight classes? I mean, that was a pretty tough situation too because that was going to be a big fight for him to make some noise. Yeah, they both, in a different way, they both kind of missed out on a bigger opportunity here in Sao Paulo. So to the point you raised, I don't think either of us looked at Bon. It wasn't like we looked at Almeida and we had 25 minutes to do something in like super advantageous conditions and then just basically couldn't do it. That's one thing. But here you had Dalby, who was at times up against it, right? Up against it. But I would not say overwhelmed, BC. Would, wouldn't even when he was getting beat on from Mount. I would not say he was super overwhelmed. He, you could see he was thinking through. This is a guy, man, who has been through it, who has seen all different kinds of stuff, and has come out the other side just better, just much more sturdy, much more understanding of what it takes. Um, I just, you know, sometimes you see these guys be like. Oh, you know, I some NBA player, right? Because you and I watch all the smoke, and they'll interview somebody who's like, "Oh, why didn't you guys win the championship that year?" And they'll say something like, "You know, we just weren't ready. We didn't know what it took." And then you sit on the sidelines, you're like, "Not exactly sure what that means." Nicholas Dalby is showing you what that means. I'm not saying he's going to win the title, BC, but he understands what level of intensity, commitment, calmness, uh, thinking that you have to have, but also urgency as well in order to last at this level. Bonfim didn't know that. He knows now. He didn't know that before Saturday, and I think that will make him better in the long term. But Nicholas Dalby, dude, he deserves something big from this at 170 pounds. I don't know what the UFC will do. Maybe you have a better idea than me, but I really, really, really hope he gets it. He has very much earned it. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you on that. I agree with you. And, I, and these are this is one of my favorite tropes within MMA where the aging 30s veteran who maybe never quite had their moment as a legitimate title contender can put together a streak. Look at what Tim Means has done lately. Well, you know, like they just can put together a run or a streak where it's like, okay, not in their physical prime anymore, but this might actually be their prime where hmm. everything came together. Think of that run Jeremy Stevens had before the Aldo knockout loss where it looked like, oh crap, at 33, he may have figured out how to tone down the recklessness, put it down with the training and get in the best shape of his life. And again, have a no effing way attitude to come in there and push back. Um, it was fun to see, Luke. It gets me out of bed hitting the weights a little bit harder the next morning. You know what I'm saying? I, I get it. All right. Let's talk about topic number three here. BC, this was an interesting one as well. We had a middleweight contest between Kyle Bohalio and Abus Megamadov. So let me ask you based on this, which of course Bohalio won and looked pretty good, pretty good. So, BC, let me ask a similar question that I asked about Almeida, which is, to what extent did Bahalio emerge in your mind as a real-deal middleweight contender based off of this win over Magomedov on Saturday? It's it's weird. It's kind of gray, meaning that you have a 30-year-old fighting in front of the home crowd, exciting look, exciting style. He's 15-1 and one overall. He's won all five of his UFC fights. Won two Dana White Contender Series fights before that. Did this win over Abu Magomedov slow down his momentum in that regard? No. Short of a finish, which there was in over 15 minutes, no. But Luke, he looked good to very good, but never really great. 
So is that because I've got an unnecessarily low opinion of Abus Magomedov, who seemed to like shut me up in the sense that he came out, he was sturdy, he was stubborn, he fought well from distance. He didn't look great, but he also didn't implode in the ways I expected. Remember, I picked Bohayo by knockout and okay bet and came up empty here. But I'm I'm just here to say, Luke, that I thought this might be the moment where Kayo electrifies the crowd, jumps over the fence, goes like this to his chin a couple times, right? What does it say on his bicep, Luke? No boxing, no life, fight or die, something. Fight or die, yeah, vote, vote or die, I think. He got it from Diddy. Yeah, I think yeah, P. Diddy, he transferred that over. But, Luke, did I feel like he's ready right now for, like, top 10 rising stud in this division? Let's get him closer to the contention. No, I didn't. I felt like he's progressing, but it's going to take a little bit more time. Is that a yes. is that a, a nice way to compliment someone with the tinge of an insult around the so the, No, the I don't think it's here? insulting at all, dude. I think you're ex- – I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you're exactly correct, Brian Campbell, and I'm being dead serious. To me, wow. it was like, wow. okay. It was like, here's the thing. Did we get that performance, the one you're talking about, where the crowd is electrified, the person is slumped over, and they've jumped, whatever reason, submitted or whatever, and they've jumped onto the, you know, the top of the cage, and they're like, ah, oh, and they're receiving this incredible moment, kind of like, you know, something akin to what Jose Aldo did the first time he beat Chad Mendez in Brazil, right? We were kind of hoping for that. Would this be the moment? You didn't get that. You didn't get anything really even all that close to it. But I will say this, BC. Yes. This, to me... Look like Kyle Bahalio knowing, listen, if I want to make this a ground battle, we can make this a ground battle. But I don't want to do that. I want to get better. I want to test myself, and I want to, I want to move the chains to where I ultimately need to be in order to beat the very best guys in this division. So he chose, I think he went 0 for 1 on one takedown in the first. I don't know if he got or even attempted one in the second. And then, of course, he, round, he, he finished off the end of the third, but he had already rocked Magomedov with his standing elbow before he did this is to me not evidence bc that bahalio is already ready to be a top contender but this was evidence to me that he understands what steps he needs to take in order to get there and this was a good step towards that goal so i think as long as we have a bit more patience with him he is a guy who understands what he's up against and is clearly trying to go Whereas Almeida just resorts back to what he already knows, Bohalio didn't. Bohalio is trying to lean into the things that can carry him forward to different, better opportunities in, again, relative to heavyweight, a much deeper division. That's a this, smart to way me, to was say a it. great first, or not first step, but a great next step. Because when you asked this question in our rundown, I, I remember thinking in that moment, like, you know, I watched that fight. I thought he looked good, but maybe there's something I'm missing. Let me go back in there. Maybe there's moments where he was too tentative. Maybe there's moments where he was too sloppy. No, he was pretty solid, technically. And I think what you're saying is true, Luke. That probably was the plan, to not come out here and do what we expected of a guy fighting at home with an atrocious uh, throat tat, Luke, and come out here and throw bombs and get that big finish. He came out here, controlled distance, was technical, was consistent. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's how you advance and grow in that regard. And it wasn't as if doing that sucked all the entertainment oxygen out of the room. No, this was actually a, a pretty decent fight for most of it. And Abus won the first round on two of three scorecards. And I thought rounds two and three, even though it was clear Bohalio had enough, he was pushed a little bit. He had a, he had to win the technical battle, and it seems that was his goal. So in that regard, it's it's kind of a subtle advancement forward without stealing the headlines in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, looking at the stats, he attempted one takedown in the first round, didn't get it. Didn't attempt one in the second, didn't attempt one in the third. But again, he had been rocked with the elbow, and then he was trying to polish him off and basically ended up on top and basically got two minutes and 17 seconds of control time from that. He numerically outstruck Abus numerically in all three rounds. Again, I want to say this. Bojalio is talented on the ground, but we already knew, BC, he was talented on the ground. He needed somebody that he could test against his stand-up that was a reasonable... By the way, this was good matchmaking, too. Because you know Magomedov fades down the stretch but can be very tough up front. And so Bahalio had to kind of, you know, wait a little bit. It forced him, I think, to be a little bit patient and then he could really apply it. But the fact that he got stronger as the fight went on technically, the fact that he won clearly at the end in a way that was very dominant, the fact that he was able to land big strikes on the feet, elbows, jabs, and some other stuff, this is what you want to see from a young, developing prospect. You want to see a guy work at if he doesn't have already the well-rounded skill set like the Bonfim brothers have pretty well-rounded skill sets but they might have to dial back some of the intensity well has a bit of a different problem where he's got a sort of a, a central skill set and he's trying to expand it so he can beat more guys in more different ways and that is a difficult process it takes time to get there this was a very this was to me bc a, yeah. it wasn't a touchdown but it was a throw down the field he gets it keeps two feet in bounds brings it down it's a catch First down, move the chains. Let's see what happens on the next play. That's what it was for me. Luke, uh, Abus Magomedov, do you think he's related to uh, Hasbula Magomedov, or is that name like Smith in Dagestan? My understanding understanding is Magomedov is just Muhammad in Russian. That's it. Ah. Who do you think is a better fighter, Magomed Magomedov or Magomed Magomed Karamov? Magomed Karamov is better. He's actually really good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's real um, good. Do you think you think old Abus is uh, going to be uh, looking for a new ride out of here, Luke? Is he going to be employed anymore? What do you what do you make of his performance overall? Because it wasn't disastrous. It was kind of solid, dude. It was kind of solid. In, in- he'll hang around. He'll beat. He'll beat guys. He'll hang around. Um, he's been useful for Sean Strickland. It was a tune up fight for a guy as good as Sean. That's what it was. It was a tune up fight, and then for Kyle, it was a good test, which is a little bit different than a tune up. Uh, he's got value on the roster. I don't know if I mean you have to win to kind of hold your place a little bit, but I don't think that he's not like the at the you know the back of the the line in terms of how good middleweights are. He's sort of in the middle of the pack, kind of, yeah. just not at the yeah. front. Um, BC, let's go to topic number four if we can, which is sure. let's 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 take a bigger view. There was some boxing, there was some other MMA, there was some kickboxing that happened over the weekend. So I'll pitch this one to you first. Who else shined over the weekend? In all of combat sports. Well, let me make one quick reference as a mea culpa because I got it wrong on OK Bet. I counted out Angela Hill again, Luke. And she came out, despite Denise Gomes fresh off that knockout of Horror Guy, she came out here and just put on a solid veteran unanimous decision win over 15 minutes. I don't know what my problem is. Every time I believe Angela Hill's about to break through, she gets controlled. Every time I write her off, she sneaks in there and gets a win, Luke. It happened. Same Congratulations. Problem, yeah. Uh, very well done. That's also showing that fighting spirit to keep her place and to continue to improve. I got to go to boxing, though. And I didn't talk about this fight a lot. I mentioned it quickly on Friday's show. And, Luke, I've not been following the Joe Cordina experience on the same level as the super fans in UK who are getting excited about this 130-pound title holder who's brash. He's got a little bit of boxer, a little bit of La puncher in him, and he mixes it together nice. He defended this title on zone over the weekend in Monaco, of all places, against Edward Kid Vasquez, a, a showbox veteran who scored a really exciting win over Misael Lopez 
in Topeka, Kansas last year with your boy on the call. I wasn't expecting a lot out of um out of Kid Vasquez out of Fort Worth, Texas in this one. And he pushed forth and made a really fun boxing match. It ends up being a close uh, decision win for Joe Cordina, a disputed one at that. But Kid Vasquez, who is sort of one of those tweener boxers where he's young, he's game, he's skilled, not a ton of power, though, can fight you in the pocket, can swivel with good defense, and could kind of just make your life difficult. Dude, he made Cordina's life difficult. I'm not here to scream robbery, although I could have seen it as a draw or even a close Vasquez win. But I think this was one of those moral of the story type of situations. Who won the night? Uh, Edward Vasquez did. And I don't know if this is necessarily a editorial against Joe Cordina being that dude. But Cordina looked like hell on the scales. Seemed to have some weight issues on the way in. Some talk about whether he should move up to 135 himself. He bit down. He survived in advance. But he landed the kind of shots that normally gets guys out of there. And again, Edward Vasquez had the no NFW mindset coming in that he was going to come in here and try to steal the night. He came up empty. He'll get another payday out of it. But that was a fun fight. If you guys missed that in the zone over the weekend, you're a boxing fan. It's definitely worth your time. Although you did hit on F.A. Ajagba, who I think won inside, what, four rounds? Something like that? Yeah, he absolutely dominated Joe Goodall. <laughs> he beat who's the from shit out of that guy. Australia, not from the U.K., like I said. Look, whenever there's a white guy who's not from the U.S., I always go, oh, he's from the U.K. probably, right? Or Southern Ireland or something. Yeah. Turns out he's Australian, Luke. All right? uh, for me, B.C., if I can like look around, there were some other good winners on the UFC card. Gotta, get a, gotta give a little love to the general himself. How about Jonathan Haggerty, 26-year-old guy out of the U.K., so in his last fight against Nong O in Muay Thai, he wins that one inside the first round, which is kind of unbelievable. Then over the weekend, he fought Fabricio Andrade, who is the bantamweight, I think, uh, MMA champion for one. So what they did was one guy was from MMA, one guy was from Muay Thai. They were going to meet in the middle for a kickboxing fight, and Haggerty stopped him inside the second round. Now, I, I, to me, it's like... Saying that Haggerty is a two-sport champion or a two-sport athlete in the same way that Bo Jackson was a two-sport athlete yeah. is a lie. That's not Look, really the case. Like, this is like your cousins all stay in indoor track and outdoor track. It's cool, but like, did they really meet in the middle if the Muay Thai guy won the <laughs> kickboxing match, Luke? I don't know, right? So, I mean, I, I don't want to disrespect the sports in any way. They are meaningfully different, but they're not like so meaningfully different that it's like, hey, you're good at swimming and also, you know, uh, wrestling, like two very different sports. Be that as it may, Haggerty at 26 is exciting as shit. He is brilliant to watch. He is vicious, BC. He has excellent, I mean, obviously excellent stand-up, but I mean, like, it's fun to watch. He's not just a guy who can win rounds. He's a guy that puts people away. If you've not been watching Jonathan Haggerty, again, just 26 years old, out of one championship, and they might rematch again in, by the way, against Andrade, in MMA, so we'll have to see how that goes. But there you can see it with two of the belts there. One of the most exciting, how about this, combat sports striking talents, certainly that one has, and I would argue really just any kind of guy that the MMA fans have reasonable um, access to. If you didn't see that fight, it's not very long. Haggerty looks really, really good. Give that one a watch. Well, if you didn't watch it, you can watch the highlights on Have You Seen This Shit right around the corner, Luke, coming your way. Excellent. All right, with that in mind, BC, topic number five, very simple one. Now, even since we put this rundown together, there's been some updates. But I believe it was Ariel Hawani reporting that at least from a preliminary standpoint, they were going to have UFC 297, which we thought was going to be headlined by Volk and Taporia. And then we thought maybe Max and Taporia. We don't really know now because he reported again. It was at least being, I should say this, being considered 
that they were going to do Islam versus Charles II at that date, which of course would be the January one in Toronto, Canada. There was subsequent reporting from Brett Okamoto over the weekend that perhaps Islam won't be ready until March 9th. Okay, BC, two questions for this one. I did not see any reporting that what they were looking for was Islam versus Justin Gaethje. It does appear that Charles Oliveira is going to be that guy. And if it's not going to be at UFC 297, does that mean they're actually going to go through with Volk versus Deporia in that time? Because the original suggestion by Ariel, again, was a preliminary consideration that they were going to move that fight back to February or March itself, just a little bit past January, which I thought I was like, BC, this all sounds great to me. Yeah. I wonder how you what you make of this news. Well, I, I like it when you don't have to rush guys back when they're not ready. <laughs> you give them time to walk out an injury, you know, to heal, get 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 into the shape they need. And can we get away from the constant last minute replacing? I know it, it happened in Abu Dhabi aggressively because they promised big fight cards there. And even though this weekend's card, Luke, is is you know fine as a replacement, it doesn't have that MSG feel. How it plays into the fights you mentioned, though, did it feel like uh, UFC and Ali ran back that news quickly as almost like a jab back at Ariel for reporting the opposite? Can't weird, say that right? it was or that it wasn't, but it felt a little bit like that. I'd rather wait on it. If they want Charles, and there's no reason not to want Charles, even with Gaethje having won the, B won the BMF title, Gaethje versus Connor at 300. Not a bad idea still, yeah, even one week that's later. The one. That's um, the one. I want Charles in this fight. So let's do it when they're healthy. But, Luke, the problem is it seems for the UFC, despite having, as we always say, 80% of the roster of, of global MMA of who matters, uh, we've seen ridiculously watered-down cards this year, and we've seen an inability to find, to be very fair, even though the main events and co-main events across this year have been strong enough in terms of what they ended up being to, to make this a, a, an okay year. I've called it a down year. People get on me. I think it's an okay year overall for UFC. But the undercards have been mix-matched in, in all Dana White Contender Series graduates, and we haven't seen an urgency to just to make sure that the main and co-mains are like, can't miss rock solid. So, Luke, delaying this is fine. But I'm a little nervous at what could replace it in January in Toronto now that we find out what their co-main event is. And it turns out, waiting to announce the women's featherweight or women's bantamweight uh, vacant title bout wasn't necessarily, it seems, because they had these grand grandois plans for Rousey Home 2 or Rousey Tate 3, both, which, by the way, would have been unacceptable as title fights, but we thought they would have done it anyway. So what did they do here? They went back into the meritocracy of it and they booked Myra Bueno Silva versus Raquel <laughs> Pennington for the vacant title in January, which yeah. this is a, a which definitely means it's going to be the co-main on the Toronto card. First of all, that's like the seventh best title bout you could produce in this already shit situation in already a shit division. Didn't Myra Bueno Silva just get her submission of Holly Holm turned into a no contest? Like, just the other day, Luke? Yes. Like what? And then we got this tweet here. It's a quote tweet from Ariel quoting uh, the Venezuela vixen herself, who we assumed, Juliana Pena, number one pound for pound in the world on Kevin Iwoli's countdown. We assumed she'd be in this title fight. Here's her quote. I'm injured. I will fight the winner. My next fight will be for a title guaranteed. I feel bad, not for myself, but for the fans that are being force-fed this horrible fight. What a disaster. 
end quote. Luke, I bring that horrible fight up into this discussion to say, yes, I, if, if you want it to be Charles, I'm fine with that. If it doesn't look like Mahachev can be ready in January and March makes more sense, I'm even more fine with that. Can we use the strength of this roster, which includes 80% of the world's best fighters, and actually make sure these main and co-mains on this on these pay-per-views are like worth our time and decent? Look, what the in the damn hell are we doing with that women's title fight in the co-main? Not because they're women, by the way, but because this division is so weak. And are these two really the best two bantamweights we can produce right now? And number two, what's going to be the main event now? Because that's what what's making me nervous, pushing this off to March, even though I think it's the right move. Let me ask a question. What was the last genuinely big UFC fight that was in Canada? And don't say the last one they had in Vancouver, which was, I would not count that. When I say big, I mean like over 400,000 buys on pay-per-view. Four or 500,000 or more. I honestly can't remember. What about when Can't. Max was doing the Ninth Island thing, 10th Island? Was that against Edgar? That wasn't that big, no. That Also, wasn't that, was that, was that Canada or was that Detroit? Can't even remember. I thought anymore. it was Aldo in Detroit. And I thought it was Edgar in Canada. I could might probably look it, it up, been. but we okay. Like so I mean, I would say I would yeah. say getting Max there is pretty big, but the Edgar fight was not necessarily the biggest one that they could have given them. Guys, if you were around in the late 2000s and the early 2010s, it's impossible to explain how big Canada was. You know, like you know how we all look at Brazil now, where the crowds go bananas, and you're like, oh my god, Brazil is like this hotbed. That's what Canada was, and I think to an extent, maybe even still is. Now, granted, you've lost St. Pierre, you've lost Rory McDonald, you've lost a lot of names, and St. Pierre chief among them, obviously, where you can't really rally around the Canadians like you once did. But, like, dude, to, to watch a once great market with very good fans, and basically every Canadian I've ever met is as friendly as advertised in general, to go from where we were to this is shocking to watch. It is yeah. shocking to watch. To I go from not mentioning... To not mentioning the vacant title at all since Nunes retired, what, late spring? They haven't mentioned it once. No one's asking about it. To then drop this fight in our laps with no guarantee of a great main event? I mean, who's available? What could be the main event for this card? What should be the main event for this card? Where's Poirier? Where are all these stars that you should be calling when you need to fill in and make these main and co-main events, right? Okay, so our boys in the back are saying that Max Frankie was Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and UFC 240, and then Max uh, Ortega was in Toronto, That's UFC right. 231. Okay, but that was nearly 70 UFC pay-per-views ago. I mean, it's a long time. It's a well, long time. Well, to answer your question, it's because of COVID, and it's because of Ontario in particular. Remember what Bronstetter was telling us? That long after we were already traveling the, the globe again, he couldn't even leave Ontario. Like they, There's a reason why it's been so long, but your point is if you're going to come back to a market, Toronto, where they bang for MMA, yeah. shouldn't you give them the bang for their buck, right? right. I mean, I mean yes, absolutely fair. That, that, the, the COVID uh, lockdowns and everything else, it really made it, any kind of shows in Canada difficult, if not outright impossible. But, dude, that's been not the case for some time now. And to yeah. the point you just raised – I, I would have thought Islam, again, if Islam's not ready, Islam's not ready. He just fought. If he wants time, he deserves time. Okay, but it's like now I'm like, well, what are they going to are, are they really going to stick with Volk in January? Which, again, I think is just a cataclysmically risky Dude, idea. If they go Volk to Poria after he just got head kicked KO'd, are you like, are you serious? How bad as your business considerations if you have to go to that title? This is not UFC in 2005 where it's like, is Tito, Randy, Shamrock, or the other guy headlining every pay-per-view? Yes, they are. Every single time Tito fought, it seemed like from 
Owanda, whatever. He was headlining pay-per-views. Dude, we have variety. We have a deep roster. Luke, where are all these people that normally make co-main in main events? Why are they not available? Where so, are, who are we forgetting here? So here, let me let me just go through the roster. Does Pantoja have a a signed fight yet against Raw Dog? I think he does, right? UFC yes, December 16th. December 16th, okay. yeah. So he's accounted for. Sean O'Malley. I know he fought in August. But I don't think he has one him. for you. Think about it. It should be him in a title defense, right? He's right. a star. He could sell. 140, 145 is Volk. We already know the story there. 55 is Islam. We know the story. Edwards fighting at 296. Strickland. I think it's probably too quick of a turnaround. Maybe. Okay. Would, would you accept? I, mean, I know I'm cutting into the line of your questioning here. Would you accept the kind of fights they used to put as pay-per-view main events when they need to fill time? What if they did Gaethje Holloway for the BMF belt and just made that a main event now and both guys were like, yeah, you know what? I'll take main th- event money. I think that's fine. I think that okay. would be more than fine. You've got two guys, fans love, guaranteed action. You would probably favor Gaethje, but it's always foolish to look past Max. Sure, I think I would accept. I mean, listen, if you could do... Yes, yes. I Would Would you accept it? It seems very reasonable 100%. Hundred yeah. percent, yes. Okay. Yes. So then, hold on, very quickly, point, very quickly, up and down the rosters. Who else you got? Yeah. So then we got Leon two ninety six. Sean Strickland, I guess, could be a maybe, depending on what they want and whoever. Could, but you couldn't get you couldn't get Hamza to Canada. I'm guessing. I mean, maybe you could. I don't know. No, you'd have to do Duplessis. Du- is he ready? He's ready, right? Probably. Uh, you have. I guess that you don't have one at two hundred five. We're still trying to figure this shit the fuck out, right? That's we'll get that this weekend, but we don't. You can't turn around to January in all likelihood. And then heavyweights, John Jones, a.k.a. the interim one. So then on the women's side, you could have Zhang Wiley. She could defend against, I don't know, Yan Xiaonan or Tatiana Suarez or something, right? Right? Couldn't she? Yeah. In yeah, theory. I guess she could. She fought recently, though, Whaley did. She did fight recently. Uh, Grasso versus Shevchenko, three. Or, yeah, whatever it would yeah, be, three. Valentina's recovering from injury, correct? So, correct. And then you would have the one at 135, which they're going to have anyway. So your answers are basically the, the best answer would be if everyone's ready, Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley in Canada would yeah. be a big one, I think. But I don't know what the situation with that is. Who is he going to fight next? I'm I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here. So the people he could fight, Marab is looks like he's looks like he's going to fight Henry Corey Sandhagen, yep. who I'm going to talk to in about in a couple of hours. I'll ask him to see what his situation Please is. Please do because it should uh, be him and 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 O'Malley in January, right? That's that's a or fine fight. Cheeto. Or what about Cheeto versus O'Malley? You know what? Too. Do the Cheeto rematch because that's sexier. It it probably gets people more attracted to it with the talk of it all and stuff. And yes, if you're Cheeto, you have that one card to play, the whole you quit against me card, right? You were you claimed injury when I was beating your ass. That card. Play that card. Yeah, let's do it. Luke, that's the fight. But can you make any sense of the decision to make Pennington versus Silva when you've already waited with silence about what the future of this division is. This is the fight you made. Look, she just got stripped of a win. Well, do we not care anymore? Oh, USADA's gone now? Like, what is this? I don't know what to say. I mean, here's the thing. Her USADA issue was she had uh, a medical proof of what she was taking, and it was diagnosed, and she there was, there was nothing in that sense where it was like, hey, how did this get in your system? Oh, I have no idea. No, she was like, I got a doctor prescription. So they bumped her suspension down to a very low-level version of what it would be. So her infraction is not a very serious one, and I think for that reason they went this direction. I don't really mind that, but but the optics aren't great, right? The optics look like we're just trying to we're just trying to figure out what to fill this stuff in, and we okay. don't have much, and so enjoy, you know. Here's what I'm gonna say. 
We talk all the time about how much money the UFC has. And I get that it's not just vaults full that they can pull at any time. That because of Endeavor, because of TKO, because of this, they're, they're leveraging their money all around to pay for everything. But when you're in this advantageous financial position and you go, okay, Juliana's her and we're not sure about these other big names. Do we just go with this fight or do we at least wait on Juliana's star power to come back? It's the same decisions that that forced them to make Nico Montano against late replacement Roxanne Modafari for the inaugural title belt uh, at 125. It's the same decision making uh, that made that awful home GDR fight when in reality, Cyborg just wasn't ready yet. My, my point is this, Luke, when people just aren't ready yet, why bastardize the situation? Shouldn't you have a roster? Shouldn't you be able to pull all of the big time name non-champions right now? The Robert Whitakers, the Max Holloways, like Poria, Gaethje, all these guys that are huge names, former champions or title contenders, not currently in the mix. Can we make fun and creative fights to fill the gap? I mean, would you rather, you know, spend whatever they're going to charge in Toronto for this title fight at 135 when the, the, the truth is the, whoever becomes champion in this fight's probably not champion in the next fight. Probably not. Probably. Is that not. ignorant of me? Probably no. not. You want to you want to want him to be? Would you? This is not a, a disrespect aimed at either of the of the fighters here. It's just sort of like it's not always better to just rush it out under any circumstance. All right. Find a re- find a situation. Find a replacement that will work. Hopefully they will. They haven't announced this yet. If it ends up being Vulcan Taporia. Damn, I'm going to question them. But hopefully it's O'Malley. Hopefully it's the type of fights that warrant this. I mean, this isn't even good enough for a co-main event, this Bantamweight title fight. They could have closed the division or they could have gone the other extreme and made home versus Tate for all I cared or home versus Pena. Something. Something, dude. Something. What is this? There's nothing. This, you, know what this, you know what it is? It's calendar leftovers. It's just leftovers. Like, hey, what do we have leftover for what we're doing for the rest of the stuff. This is what we have. Again, unless they announce Sean yeah. O'Malley, in which case a different ball game. But if they basically like, leave it like, to Volk like, and then this. It's like being on a cruise, Luke, where the dinner was really good at night. But guess what? The next day, all the leftovers are going to be in your breakfast and your lunch. Okay? And if you're okay with that, then that's great. But it's whatever we had left over. All right. That is it for our top five. Let's do this. Let's do the... Um, before we do the DMs from Donks, BC, we got to remind everyone, uh, you know, everyone knows that working out is full of positives, BC. Sleeping better, looking better, and just feeling better. I don't know if you have this in front of you, BC, but of course, you know, course keeping your momentum going and your progress positive with FitBod, the app creates personalized workouts based on your goals, abilities, and gym setup while helping you track and visualize your progress along the way. Isn't that right, BC? That, that is 100 percent right luke and everyone knows that working out is full of so many positives sleeping better looking better how about just feeling better i feel great lately luke okay i feel great but as you get stronger sticking to that same old routine it it leads to those plateaus where you feel like man all the work i'm putting in is not getting me ahead anymore that's right uh so bc i love the app and i have been consistently using it the results are what keeps me coming back to the app FitBot has helped me push through moments I didn't want to work out. FitBot's powerful technology understands your strength training ability, studies your past workouts, BC, and then adapts to what your available gym equipment is. And look, I've got what I've got in my basement, but the app intelligently varies my intensity, my volume, tracks my muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout plan. And look, the app keeps your gym sessions fresh 
and fun by mixing up your workouts with new exercises, rep schemes, supersets, and circuits. And Luke, I'm here to tell the people it's never been easier to get the results that all of our morning combat listeners have wanted. Hey, we got a secret for you. Check out Fitbox. Get 25% off. Yes, you heard that correct. 25% off your subscription at fitbod.me slash combat, F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash combat, combat with A-K. BC, let's, let's do this. Let's do DMs from Donks, and then before we do have you seen the shit, I want they've got the video from the Dying Fetus uh, oh, Boys. Oh, God, this is I want to see that, so we'll see how that goes. But let's first things first, let's get the DMs from Donks. It's where they get to ask us questions. Hee-haw, hee-haw, roll hee-haw. the animation. There you have it. All right, BC. We've got angry males. Yes, go ahead. From Liam, how would Rico Verhoeven do against the world's best heavyweights in MMA or boxing? He's younger than 35 and is still dominating in glory, which he won over the weekend. What do you think, BC? I don't. I didn't watch it over the weekend, although I saw on IG stories that Todd Grisham was on the call there and met up with his brother. And maybe, maybe they even hit one of the the colored districts, Luke. Maybe the red one. I'm not sure. But uh, in terms of lights, I'm talking about not skin color. Was the but, fight uh, in Amsterdam? Probably. I mean, I'm really just winging it right now, Luke. Yeah. You're dead wrong. Everything I say right now. So my answer is, I don't know, Luke. I haven't been watching Rico lately. Why don't you answer that question for the? People? I saw him in his one MMA fight. Obviously, I've covered a few Rico fights. I don't really know how. I mean, the answer is probably pretty well. He was a training partner for Francis. For a time, uh, like, you know, the, but like, not like just some random donk in the gym. Like, they brought him in specifically to get good work in. The answer is BC, he'd probably do really well. Um, but, you know, would he win an MMA, a major MMA title? I don't think so. And would he win a major boxing title? He'd probably, he'd probably do really well. The thing is, like, he's got more striking skill than Francis, but he doesn't have his physicality. He doesn't have the chin that Francis does. People sleep on how good Francis's chin is. It's fucking oh, dude, absurd. Remember when Fury hit him with that lead forearm elbow and he didn't even move? It didn't. Even, it just barely budged him. And he's got you know historic power. So I think in that sense, uh, it was in Anheim, Netherlands. Yeah, I don't know if Anheim Anheim does a, has a any uh, any red light districts, but certainly Amsterdam does. All right. Well, I want to ask you this: Do you think the success in recent years of Adesonia Pereira? Pereira, excuse me, and uh, Dumbe will lead. Is, is it automatic now if you're somebody, the status of Rico, the success that you've had, that it's, is it becoming expected that you will, at the end of the line, bring it? I know he's already had an MMA fight, but bring it to the yeah. UFC level, Luke. Dumbe he not there might, yet. There's, he's, been, he's been flirting with MMA for a long time. I've spoken to Rico in person a few times. Nice guy, smart guy. Um, you know, it's always been there for him, but then, you know, to have a heavyweight like him, Glory just doesn't want to let go of guys like that, which you can understand, because he's such a, a, you know, a unicorn to be that young and that good. I would love to see it. I, again, I just feel like people are always trying to make it like, oh, this guy's got more skill than Francis. Guys, lots of people have more. Tyson Fury has more skill, pure skill, boxing skill than Francis. But, it, you know, Francis is a fucking freak. Like, he's yeah. not the same as everybody else, so... And turns out, Luke, he has a big Corey, not just in those white pants, but also in the ring. His is look, he the the he stayed on Fury. He was always within punching distance the whole time, dude. Never went away, you know. Never you see, like for you, he gets his news from the BBC. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Directly. Yeah. Yeah. From the his World favorite Tattoo combo version. was Benzema Bale and Cristiano. The BBC was his favorite yes, one. That, that All right, BC. Uh, from Sherry Abasi ninety three. Who are you favoring heading into Fury Usa? Good question. If when it takes place next year. Hey, that's 
That's our boy Sherry from the UK, Luke. I just yeah, Sherry's was the on man. his boxing Sherry's show. The man. Fantastic bloke right there. Top bloke. He wants to know heading into Fury. Yeah. Uh, who are you favoring? Good question. I think you still have to favor Fury for the size, skill aspects. But I do think that when this first fight, when this fight first became real, however long ago, what was that, a year and a half ago mm-hmm. to now, Usyk has closed that gap. And it's not just the performances against Anthony Joshua that opened our eyes about what he would do against a bigger, stronger guy. Fury's different than Joshua because of the ball's chin and also the obvious skill and size. I mean, Fury's just a unique... I mean, that's why I still... Look, if you ask me, like, like off the record, BC, what really happened in, in Gano versus Fury? And I don't mean from a conspiracy standpoint. I just mean, like, what really happened? I could give you the same analysis I gave the Monday after, but, look, I don't really know what really happened. But I do think it's enough to give you the idea, knowing how special Usyk is, could he close that gap and make it a fight and give himself a chance? Yes, he could. He does have the, the daring to be great want. He's shown a huge chin in the past, whether it's against Murat Gassiev, whether it's against Murray Spritus at Cruiserweight, or whether, you know, look, he had to kind of go through a little bit against Derek Tesora. Uh, it Styles made, made that fight closer maybe than it should have been. But he's got the chin. He's got the willingness. He doesn't have the power. But is Usyk smarter than Fury? I think that's the key question that would decide for me, not if I'm going to favor Usyk, because I think you, you do have to favor Fury at the end of the day in all the aspects. But is is it is there a chance here that Usyk is smarter and more dynamic than him that he could create the ultimate game plan to neutralize the situation? Luke, is Usyk that smart and dynamic? I think he is. I think he is. I still, unlike you, I still kind of favor Fury, just from the physicality of it all. Yeah. But if you're asking, but it's a better like, fight. It's yeah, a better it's, fight coming off of this. Fight. If you're just asking, yeah. like from an IQ standpoint, Usyk might be top of the game. Uh, not not of everyone, but uh, of all the heavyweights for sure. Yeah. Now I say it's a better fight. That doesn't that doesn't hedge against what I had said that taking this Ngannou fight unnecessarily now for Fury before the Usyk fight brings down the majesty of the Usyk fight in terms of the royalty regalness. It also though might make it a better, more competitive fight if Fury is either declining or just not in a great state. I mean, when you look at the 2023 for Tyson Fury, he fought Derek Chisora unnecessarily for the third time in December. Then he starts the new year. He's got the reality show. He's playing touch button the park every time someone asks him if he wants to actually fight Usyk. And then he shows up woefully out of shape. And I know, Luke, he's telling everybody, I trained hard for 12 weeks. And I know it's hard to properly gauge the fitness level of Fury when he is comically overweight a lot with the love handles and the belly. I just don't think that was the real Fury, but maybe that was the real Fury, and maybe he is slipping a little, and maybe the gap is 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 closing. Usyk not getting any younger, but he does have all the intangibles needed to make this a fight. Yep. If, if that was the real Fury, he's in trouble. He's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Question number three from Appy Fatathon. That's Appy. Is it that's, re- that's David Appy. I know. Right is there. it remotely plausible for John Jones to see out his UFC contract career and fight Francis without needing Dana's approval? No, it is not possible. It is not possible. They, they've he changed recently, the rules. Yeah, and and he recently signed a new long term deal. He'll retire with them, and that's that. I mean, if unless you know, who knows if the court case happens and what happens from that or whatever, but. I'll, I'll put it this way, BC. You ever heard of uh, force majeure? Like when you have a contract with someone and you can only break it under the most insane things. Like if there's an earthquake, you know, literally an yeah. act of God or something. 
it would take an act of God for that to happen. Um, well, some think but, the act of God could be the antitrust lawsuit, but then there's a lot of people in my DM saying, hey, guys, great segment the other day, but I am in the law field. I am in the antitrust law field. This court proceeding will not have a result anytime soon that you guys yes. think it will. No, no, no. You know? Again, if they appeal, I, I, a lawyer friend of mine over the weekend, because I sent him all the information, he hadn't heard of it, and then he read up on it. And he was like, dude, you have at least two to three more years of litigation. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. right. Well, there you so go. So all the fighters now will be out of their prime and out of the game. Yeah. For the, if, not, John not, Jones but, will yeah. be 40 by then if some – and again, and that only assumes some kind of act of God. So, yeah, that's not going to happen. All right. From Matt Con. Sad Sidini, or however the fuck you say or this name. Considine? Matt Considine? Considine? That was yeah. just a dumb, what, a, what a dumb name. Just change your name, it's sir. It's an Italian it's name. name, Luke. You got a problem with the Italians? I like There's the Italians, but I just it's a weird name. All right, Luke, you mentioned that much of the middleweight division has Izzy style and game figured out. I don't know about much of the division, but I think the top some of the top contenders do. What necessary adjustments do you think he needs to make to have another reign? I mean, there's sort of two things that occur to me on this one, BC. The first one would be, I think, mixing up some of the other elements of the game. As I mentioned before, some of the stuff where you have you have Sean Strickland leaning and then on a single foot, you know, you do that against Bo Nickel, you're going to be on your fucking back. I'm not expecting him to be Bo Nickel, but what I am saying is some level of unpredictability with the other dimensions of the game, if he can safely weave that in, I do think that one might open up some real opportunities for a guy because they're always going to be cautious about his striking. No one is going to be cavalier about it. The only yeah. time Sean Strickland got cavalier was like the last 30 seconds of round five. That was it. But the rest of the time, you do have to be on your P's and Q's. I think that's one. The other one is he's gotten to a lot of patterns, a similar patterns about his fainting, kind of all setting up in a, in a way that folks have recognized. I think you need to go back to the, if you're going to stay with that kind of game, and there are plenty of reasons to do that, you got to change up some of the setups. You got to go back and like sort of really re-examine your own tape. How much are you doing the same thing, fight over fight? To what extent can that be amended? So it's broadening the scope of what your available weapons are, and then going back to your your core weapons, and then rechanging the look of them a little bit. You know. Do you have any feeling? We know what he said, but how long do you think he really plans to take off? Is it like six to nine months? That'll be enough to recharge the batteries, or is it really? He said, what, a couple of years he was planning on taking off? Yeah, I think at least a year. I'd say a year uh, is probably a safe estimate. A year or more. But okay. I don't expect him to come back before a year. I think he, and you know, again, dude, he was competing like an insane clip. Like, you know, sure. getting a little bit of break, I think, is pretty critically important. But um, probably a year or more, I'm going to guess. You can be yeah. at your absolute best if you enter your prime and your peak earning period and you stay busy but there's always a receipt at the end, right? Like Connor won consecutive fights by being insanely busy, taking on big chances. Well, I guess he lost to Nate, but then redeemed it in the next fight. But like, there's always a receipt at the end if you run that ragged of a schedule. You've got to offset that with rest because you're just waiting for injuries or burnout or anything to happen. And you know, or in his case, it's just getting after it, getting after it, getting after it. And there's just so much tape on him, yes. so much tape on him. And the good teams, Eric Nixick, dude, you can't. It's no. publicly available, dude. Like, those guys are going to see it. Like, you've got to give them something they haven't. Just think about it. What's the common denominator between the two answers I just gave you? Stuff they haven't seen. It's okay. stuff they haven't seen. They have to, it has to be new. It can't go be the old hits again. It won't really work that And if he returns way. post-USADA, I'd like to see the, the left nipple get the same treatment that the right <laughs> one does. I mean, just, you know, just use all the juice then. I mean, man, I'm kidding. But All right, last uh, but not least, uh, you don't know Tyler. You're right, I don't. I don't. 
whoever wins the light heavyweight belt this week, their first title defense should be against who? Jamal, Magomed, Jan? What do you think, BC? Well, I think if he's, this if he's healed, is... it's got to be Jan. Or, sorry, uh, Jamal. I think the bad luck of this division, which saw a draw in the blahovich Ankalaev title fight, will probably produce a stick kick in the opening second, similar to Mitrio and Karatanov and Bellator, Luke. Uh, that just won't won't crown a champion at all. But let's say let's say we get one. Um, Ankalaev, Luke. Uh, if if Hill is ready, it's got to be him. But if it's not, I would go. Yeah. God, are we really going to give a title shot to Ankalaev off that awful Johnny Walker performance? Is it worse than his awful Blovich performance? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe you're right, Luke. Maybe we're not calling him anytime soon. Um, yeah. Well, I, I forgot the joke I had. It was going to be so good, too. Wow. The time yeah, I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. With that in mind, it's now time for BC's feces. But before we get that going, so some folks from a podcast, Vulgar Display, I'm going to get the name right here. Uh, I don't want to uh, mess it up for them. The Vulgar Display of Podcast, folks. They had on, um, let me get the details right here so I don't jack this up. Uh, they had on, excuse me, I got the wrong email I'm looking at here. That's why it looked like ass. Sorry, they had John Gallagher of Dying Fetus on, and they told him about the morning combat wager and bets. I've not seen this, BC. I've not seen this. Let's see what they say. Are you familiar with the MMA show Morning Combat at all? No, 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 no. Let me put it on your radar real quick, if you don't mind. There's actually two co-hosts, and it's a UFC MMA show that they do, and they do it on YouTube, and they're great. I'm a big fan of it. Well, one is a death metal fan. He, lo- he waves the flag, cannibal, dying fetus, Pantera, all these things. Then the other guy, BC, is kind of a kind of a fruity guy. He's like uh, he's into the fish and and all these <laughs> other kind of hippie trippy bands. Well, they have a bet going right now on picking like who wins fights and one of them has to go to the other person's concert of choice and i think luke thomas who's the metal guy has picked you guys to come i wasn't sure if that was on your radar or not no i don't it's just like fighting you're talking about i don't know anything about <laughs> i'm sorry for my ignorance but i'm stuck in a death metal world you know as you can tell but <laughs> yeah but they're just fans and and i wasn't sure if you're aware of it or not it's kind of a big deal uh, a lot of people talk about it in that world there you go, Damn. BC. All right. Now, he didn't Represent. know shit. He didn't know shit. But uh, he, he does now. He does now. Okay. Okay. This is the stakes are getting raised now because you're going to have to make, if you win, you're going to have to make some key important decisions. Same with me. It's like, do I go jam bandy? Do I go aggressive jazz fusion? Do I go, I mean, the Indigo Girls just played the other night, Luke. A couple of my friends went. I'm sure they lost all their testosterone when they walked in the building. But that'd be fun to get that on tape, right? With you, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, all of it's going to be great. I'll just say this. Uh, if the boys from Dying Fetus are watching, make them beg for death. A new album. Killer. Two thumbs up. There you go. All right. If we could, if would we be able to meet the bands if I had to do it? If I had to go do so, it? So what I can say is Cannibal Corpse has officially offered to let me come backstage. So that's, that's a that's a guaranteed incredible. yes. Yeah, yeah, that is incredible. Um, Dying Fetus, it doesn't. It sounds like they don't really care, but I don't know if you know this. They're actually from Maryland. They're actually from the Maryland area. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that there's some kind of like, uh, you know, it's not really a DMV connection, but, you know, I don't I know. I don't know what the know answer is there. If we get backstage and they're like, hey, we should kill a, a, a live animal just for, you know. Yeah, for effect, I'm I'm out, Luke. Okay, I'm out. All right. I like how Unless he described it, your music choices as 
Fruity. That's a nice word. Yeah. That's a nice well, no, word. he described me as fruity, and then he went into my musical choices. Should I be offended at that, Luke, or should I just realize that, you know, when you're an artist and you produce things like this, Luke, that can't be explained, maybe that is a little... If that's not know. me and you wanting to put me in jail, I don't know what it would be. I don't know what it is, Luke. I think it's unfinished at the moment. No, that's me. Asking. That's me, and you wish I was under a pile of uh, trash so you could leave me there. That's what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that was the four different sessions. Uh, this one was brought to you by Delta Tens. Look, maybe that's all. Maybe that's altered my uh, ability a little bit. Thank all you right, very much. it's time right. for BC's feces. Let's hear it. Yeah, let's get into it here. I scoured the globe, the highs and lows. You know where I'm talking about here. It's a bunch of absolute bullshit, and it's coming your way right now. Oh God! Hey, Luke, UFC. Sapal was this Saturday. Uh, how about Elvis Brenner? Luke, I can't figure out if this was a nasty KO or if something medically bad happened to Khrushchevsky, but a partial grazing punch sent him down face first, dude. Yeah, when they go face first, that's even worse than when they go back down. And uh, I mean, BC, I mean, if you get hit in the head, that is a medical event. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, that was nasty, though. It looked like he got hit. And then his body just went in the other direction, like took a dive, almost like Joanna when she ran into that Whaley finishing shot and their rematch, you know, it was like her body just exploded and dove. It was kind of weird. Luke. It was kind of right. weird. I don't know. People do weird shit when they get hit in the head, man. That's not, it's not good for you. People do weird shit when they win. Let's hear Angela Hill try to speak Portuguese. That's me. The first time I ordered by myself when I was in Colombia, I'm like, yo, Kiero, uh, yeah, man, fuck yeah. this. I don't want none of this. I'm just going to leave. Like, Gringo Poppy, is that you? No, 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 that's not. All right. Let's go to Nicholas Dalby. Here is the uh, here's the finish on this great upset, dude. Nasty, right? Yeah, he was looking for a way out at this point when Dalby was just kind of hunched over and then just covering up. And then here, I don't think man. one strike hurt him, Luke. I think it was an accumulation of fatigue and and there was a couple of them that got through pretty clean. But you're right, there wasn't one that just sat him down like that. It was it was accumulation. But uh, man, what a win for Dolby, like we said earlier. Hey, we went head to head on Modestus Bukowskis in our won that one didn't one I? Us for Lithuania, uh, I lost this. Vitor Petrino <sighs> won it. Dude, this was nasty, right? Dude, this was really, really nice. Not only did he place it, but if you watch his front foot, he turns it out and does like what's called a step-back check hook. So you can change the angle as they come in like that, and then he turns off the corner. Man, that was textbook. Textbook. Yeah. Uh, this crowd, by the way, was dialed in for certain fighters. This was another... wasn't a you mean, victory you mean for ones you that on were okay. Brazilian? Yes, uh, you you needed a certain type of finish for Eduardo Mora against Conejo, Luke Montserrat. You didn't get that finish, but look at the, let's listen to the crowd reaction to the finish. Elbow though, that's coming up any second now. Doesn't stop the finish, and that'll yeah, do it. it. Good stuff. Eduardo Mora sends this Brazilian crowd into a frenzy. Second round TKO. Luke, I don't know if you could hear it. I couldn't hear it this time, but if you hear that clip in real time like our viewers did, dude, the crowd went nuts, and there wasn't even that filled in there either, right? They did go nuts, although remember, she had missed weight by four pounds. 
So Ah, boy. Yeah. All right. Elsewhere in combat sports, you mentioned F.A. Ajagba, top rank at an ESPN boxing show in Lake Tahoe. Here is not the finish against Joe Goodall. Watch this back-to-back oh. right uppercuts that he slipped in there. Ajagba's pretty talented, dude. Why, like, why? He fell short against who? Frank Sanchez? Frank Sanchez. Yeah, he's not that technical. So against this level, he he's an explosive dude, you know? He's powerful as shit, too. Yeah, indeed. On that undercard, Lindolfo Delgado... Check out this brutal multi-punch finish for the KO. <laughs> and it's not over yet, dude. Poor Oof. Hernandez here. Just taking bombs. Dude, hands. Let's see. Uppercut through the middle. Oh, my Oof. the Dude. Oh, oh my God. God. Catching at the, the end of down. his punches like that with the multiple right hooks. That was nasty. Oof. All right. Let's go to one championship. Bangkok edition. Jonathan Haggerty. Becoming a two-sport two champ with the KO of Fabricio Andrade. Here is friend of the program, Ray Flores, going sick. What do you think about Andrade's uh, hair down? Not good at all. Awful. Yeah, didn't, didn't really serve him well, did it? As they say in Nashville, Georgia, he was all over him like a duck on a June bone. Exactly. Whatever the hell that is. He tries to get up on the left side. Yeah. Uh, the celebration here was fantastic. One always puts on a good show. Here is Haggerty uh, celebrating with, I guess you can call it a golden shower, Luke. Shout out to R. Kelly, right? <laughs> Did uh, anyone else make snow piss angels in R. Kelly's piss? I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, do you, what do you think Ray Flores does in Bangkok after the show ends? Uh, so there's a district, as I understand it. I think it's called Pat Pong. We've talked about this before. I think I'm getting the name wrong. It's something like that. And you can go and you can see some shit there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe he went and saw the Bears game there, Luke. Maybe. It's possible. All right. The, uh, let's you, go over. You, if you watch the Bears game in Bangkok, Thailand, you deserve to just die like David Carradine in some kind of hotel. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> Luke, here's Ben Tynan channeling his inner Hulk Hogan by sleeping with, uh, no, I'm kidding. By saying the N-word and sleeping yeah. with Bubba the Love Sponge's yeah, now, wife. Yes, did but... he bang Bubba the Love Sponge's wife before <laughs> or after this? <laughs> I'm into this, by the way. I'm into that. Well done there, Ben Tynan. All right, there was a Don King card from Miami. It was pretty sad, but how about uh, heavyweight prospect Cassius Cheney from Connecticut here? Sending Trevor Bryan to the deep dark depths. Let's see. Oh god! I gotta say, BC, this is not uh, not the best boxing I've ever seen. Uh, no, this is Don King playing out the string of what. And he's there's got left. 17 people in the audience. Let's just be honest yeah, about that. Yeah. All right. Hey, wild weekend for BKFC, Luke. You can only see this here. Here's the weigh-in of BKFC 53. As let me bang, bro. Julian, Julian Lane, Lane getting into it with Murat Kazgan. Lane would go on to win, I believe, by decision. But uh, here are the two of them. Just get, just let him bang already. Let the man bang. Dude, and they've got David Tua's son apparently as security. My <laughs> man looks tough. They're wasting all this energy. Just let him bang already. All right. Yeah, well, just he let banged. him bang. Let him have sex, guys. All right. Let's go to BKFC Thailand Five. Here was the main event weigh-in. I'd like you to watch closely to the crotch area of the gentleman on the left, Luke. Oh Jesus Christ! Is he about to get a boner? 
Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're allowed to show that, Luke, but it is on brand, okay? He put his hand in his pocket and used his hand, pretending it was his shaft, to shake the... Like how, like how, like robbers back in the day would hold up a liquor store. They would just put their finger yes. through the the sweatshirt or whatever. Yes. All right, let's go to the NHL game here, Luke. Check out this excited Penguins fan just doing what he loves. Whoops, sorry, wrong, wrong clip. Watch this guy at Halloween, yeah, just, Luke. Yeah, just, yeah, just casual just, sexual assault, you know. Yeah, just you know, shooters are going to shoot, and this guy, yeah, he got denied there by that nice mask. All right, let's get back on track. Here's this NHL fan, Luke. You know, when the camera comes on you, just do what you love, Luke, right? <laughs> I got to tell you, Penguins fans are revolting, but yes. they're not as bad as Flyers fans. I know this because I've been to games, obviously here in, you know, with the Caps. Yeah. The Flyers fans, that's when people are going to start talking about your mom. You know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. That's that's a next level. Uh, Luke, you know that Chael Sonnen, quick, that Chael Sonnen clip that's making the rounds this week and going viral against Ariel? I don't yeah. have that for you. I have a different Chael Sonnen clip that I hope goes viral. Let's listen into this. Luke makes love to Ian Gary. He's just making love. To, and then Ian Gary gets on top. And, and it's... And they're both, and they're both, and they're both just getting along so well. And we're just getting along. <laughs> I think it's Almeida. Chael, Chael, we know, you know we love you on the show. That's a bit much, huh? That's a bit much. <laughs> Chael taking the the spirit of uh the of what's that hotel he was at, Luke? The spirit that he brought to uh the Luxor to the Luxor and just bringing it to the airwaves now. You got Also, was he that. doing the ball tickling or the butthole thing? I mean, I couldn't even wow. tell, but I was like either way, I was like this is a, this is a lot. Sure, yeah, a lot. hopefully both, Luke. Okay, let's get back on track. Here's your t-shirt of the week here. Is this a disrespect to the flag, Luke? If this flag offends you, I'll jack you off. All right, well that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right, it's time for some MMA fighters in the wild. Here's Johnny Walker. Walking by guess, this gyrating and cavorting. He'll gyrate for sex, he'll also gyrate for sax. Luke, let's listen into this. Yep, gyrating and cavorting. He just can't stop. <laughs> My family and I are looking for sex. Yes. It's yes, like yes. it's like, okay, sir, this is a Wendy's. What would you like to order? And it's just him doing this. In a fight kit outfit? Yeah, it's great. That's great. That's so good. All right. Hey, Luke, friend of the program, Chuck Mindenhall was out for dinner the other night in suburban Connecticut and ran into this fella dressed in his Halloween best. Who do you think that is, Luke? It's Poetan. It's Poetan. Well, I got to tell you, that's a that's a that's a frightening thing for him to wear. I got to tell you. Yes. Yeah. He's a very frightening dude. That man, that Pereira. Uh, By the way, Chuck is like legitimately friends with Glover Teixeira, like. They hang out and go out for beers, Luke. We need to crash this party, right? Yeah. We also need Showtime to pay for us so we can crash that party. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Can we just bring the cameras and just hang out and drink beer and Halloween costumes with Poetan? That'd be great. Imagine, like, we getting someone to translate to him all my ridiculousness and see his reaction. That'd be great, right? Yeah. You think, though, the waiters in Washington, D.C. showed you no no love. Wait till you see his stone face. (laughs) Uh, also, Conor McGregor showed up in the wild at this punch machine. Luke, let's see what he scored.
He scored a one? Yeah, he's number one. That that would mean he's number one, apparently. Oh. Not good. Not good for his future prize. Luke, will he ever fight again? Yeah, right? One more time? Yeah, he'll fight one more time. All right. Uh, this week in Russian MMA, Luke, you know the crazy stuff goes on there. Check out this cornerman after the fight ended. Okay. Oh, boy. All right, okay. I mean... <laughs> Do they have rules in Russia on no, anything? No. I don't know. The, no, I don't know the answer no. to that. No, uh, but hey, if you ever get choked out during a fight, this is the best escape route. Let's watch this next video. Look, will we ever see this in the UFC? That's pretty. Uh, I, I think we have gotten pretty close to that. Not all the way over, but pretty close to that. Yeah. All right. Let's go to some Chechen MMA here. Watch the dance that this fella puts out during the move. Oh, my man is just out there doing all the cultural dances, too. Yeah. <laughs> all, all right. right. Uh, Luke, would you say growing up the best day of your life was in gym class when they brought out that parachute balloon thing? You know what I'm talking about? I the don't. giant parachute and everybody gets under it. You don't know what I'm talking about? All right, watch this. Watch this closely. <laughs> What the hell is he doing? <laughs> Watching your children, Luke, okay? Entertaining them. That was great, right? He just lets go of that thing and then just runs into glass? What the fuck <laughs> is wrong with him? All right, uh, Luke, you ever have when you're a kid and somebody wants, like, the whole neighborhood to watch their performance and they put on a little song and dance and everybody pretends it's good? Yeah, my daughter does it every day. All right, watch this future ex-gamer try the same thing. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, I'd say that's YouTube. Yeah, he didn't do so great, huh? Yes, yes. Uh, Luke, would you say you prefer BBL or BSH? Don't know what BSH is? Let's watch this video. It's that first meal we're going for post-fight. Sausage, if you feel me. Sausage? What kind of sausage? Like Italian sausage? Spanish African sausage? sausage. Oh, wow. Holy cow. All right, cool. So, Luke, I meant to say BHS, Big Hispanic Sausage. You into that or just the other side of that? No, nah, I'm good on that. Okay. Thanks, though. <laughs> okay. Okay, fam. Uh, here, let's go to the next one here. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle time. My daughter loves them. She'll love this one. Oh, sorry, I, wrong I, I, one. I already like this one. <laughs> I was gonna say we saw some uh uh we saw some BHS and the other one here's some BBL. Uh ma'am, we're at a public event here, please. Come on, come on. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sir, could you control your lady? Yes. Yeah, this is my kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Luke, this is a reckless event here. Let's keep it going. Uh keep it going here. All right. New food invention. This one's called Boy Dinner. Okay. What British person is so sad <laughs> that they made Dude, this thing? Would you eat that? That's tremendous, right? No, so no, I'm not. And they put and they put garnish on top of this piece of shit food? No. It's a hollowed not. out banana with baked beans, cheese, and what do you think that red sauce is? Ketchup. Oh, that's gross. Okay, if that's That's, ketchup, that's insanely gross. All right. All right, back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm all over the place here. Luke, we got a couple more for you. T, fight. 
Oh, I want two fist bumps. I want to fist you too. Well, that's an odd thing to say in public, Luke. I gotta right? say, you know? I'm not a favor of like people shooting each other in public, but when that YouTube dude over the Dulles Town Center uh, complex got shot for harassing that guy, yes. I was like, play stupid games, right? All right, here's another stupid Win game. Stupid prizes. Yeah, yeah. You ever, you ever, you ever, uh, you like milk, Luke? Uh, depends what kind of milk we're talking about, BC. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is. Uh, All right. It might not be my best. This is uh, clearly disturbing. Uh, okay, uh, Luke. You told me wholeheartedly that while you do respect my music ears, my ability to listen to fine music, you said in hip hop, I am sorely lacking. You have the worst. You have you have a grandma in her nineties level of taste in hip hop. All right. Well, there's a new rapper out here called J Rock that I am getting behind huge. Would you be willing to try out a sample of J Rock to see if let's you're see ready? let's see J Rock. All right. Hell yeah, man. You said it off. My boy DVS up in this Holla. motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Come on. This here's a story about some shit that happened to me today. Check it out. Come on. Here we go. One, two. Said it. But now you heard the story about how I got caught. Cut. Playing with my shit, but hold that thought. Ooh. Before you disrespect J-R-O-C, it could happen to you. Because it happened to me. T. Check this shit out. Oh. Come on. Check it out. J-Rock. The situation broke out when I smoked too much butt Reached in my drawers, pulled out yeah. my butt Bust open the jar of petroleum jelly Started thinking about Donna and Nikki and Shelly Her mind, I was hitting it, we was almost there Then the door bust open and fuck, my mom's was there what? Don't disrespect J-R-O-C, it could happen to you Cause it happened to me Were you or not feeling J-Rock? I was hoping the whole place was going to get set up in flames <laughs> while they were on there. So, um, uh, Long I Island Luke out. says that's an excerpt from the show Trailer Park Boys, which I've never seen, Luke. But I was a big J Rock fan right there. Thank you. All right, yeah, I'm sad he didn't these. die. Uh, smoke him if you got him. Time, Luke. Here, let's check out this bong. Oh, nice rip, right? Wow, that was a good one. Jesus. What the hell? <laughs> what happened? What did we miss? He shot up the bong with a rifle, Luke. Maybe that was like his his girlfriend was like, "Look, I need you to quit the stuff. I need oh, you to quit." Oh, he took this so one like, last gigantic hit. You know what I mean? And then just shot it up. That was just great. like old right, yeller. Hey. All right, one last time to play catch, and then we got to put a bullet in your brain. Have you ever got high off a chopper bong? This could be your first time. Let's see. Dude, look at the rednecks putting their mouths on this thing. <laughs> Would you try it once? Uh, only after disinfecting this this buffoon's bike, but yes. All right. Well, maybe it's not my greatest batch ever. I do have one more for you, Luke Thomas, okay? So this final clip, um, uh, you said time and again how bad you hate Philly sports fans. Yeah, they're awful. All right. What do you think about this guy? Oh, dude, my man, look at my man, my man's got teeth going one way and eyeballs going the other. I yeah, mean, there's a lot going on there. That's by the all way, the shit that by the way, best part about this is Phil's lost game seven. How about that? They actually lost that fucking game. 
Yeah, sir. So why don't you go and find a, uh, well, I don't know what he can find. Look, I don't know what a dentist could do with that mouth. Right? Yeah, a dentist would look at him and be like, well, we're done here. I mean, you, you clearly don't need me at this point. You know How do I mean? you get to that point, though? Is it like meth? Extreme? Meth. Oh, meth. Okay, I was gonna say, is it like, well, I had bad insurance opportunities, and then you know, meth. Okay. okay. Listen, I'm as pro drug as the next guy, but if you do a bunch of drugs and don't brush your teeth, you'll be a Phillies fan. That's yeah, that's where that's you're true. heading. You know what I'm saying? That's all the shit that fit. Maybe not my best batch, Luke, but I'll come back strong next week. Like the right? UFC show in Sao Paulo, they can't all be winners, BC. That's they true. can't all be that's winners. True. Uh, I do have to get out of here, BC, because I have to go over to meet a couple gentlemen. I'm going to go interview Corey Sanhagen and Ryan Hall. Hopefully, I don't have any errors. I have to shoot this myself. So please send your prayers oh, and well wishes. History is on your side here, Luke, right? <laughs> <laughs> Cue the okay. Hasselhoff video, please. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. That was good. I'll let, I'll let that one slide because that was very funny. Uh, oh, reminder wow. at, to everyone. Look, check this out, right? Look at look at what I some gave all to this show, Luke. Look at this, right? I mean, that is just you know. Tremendous. I was lamenting that we didn't have the Brian Campbell show back, and now we have it back, and I wish it was gone again. Yeah, <laughs> it's get, It's getting hot in here, Luke. Yes, wow, wow. Uh, we're back on Wednesday with a live show. We're going to lean into everything UFC 295 next week, or sorry, next show, I should say. Uh, the show. Socials are all here below morningcombat.store for the merch. Thanks you know to uh, the folks. Huh? I showered before the show today. That's what's disappointing. As did I. As did I. Uh, I want to remind everyone, uh, thanks to the folks at CBS, Mikey Mormile. Thanks to the folks at Malka with uh, Mr. Nosita, Gaff, and everybody else involved with the crew. Thanks to Showtime as well. BC, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, if you want to get some live merch right now and 10% off, go to morningcombat.store. Live10 is the code. L-I-V-E-1-0. Right now, go get some. Thanks. And then last but not least, you can email the show morningcombat at gmail.com for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrong. All right, we are out of here for today. Thank you guys so much for watching. We greatly appreciate it. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. We'll join you on Wednesday. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.